is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is K-12 Tech Talk with Josh and Mark tonight. Chris is not here. Nope. Uh, he He's too good for us or too too busy. I don't, I don't know. He's got he's, things. He was too busy to even tell us where he is. I, yeah, you know what? He didn't tell us where he is. That's kind of weird. Um, probably one of his many, many businesses that he owns. Um, so... Yes, it is the start of school. Um, we started on Monday, and it Just has been... As a visual, we're both putting our hands <laughs> in our head as you try to describe that. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, I, I called last week Hell Week because everybody was back. You know, it's this giant mad dash to to get everything done, to help get computers up and running. Mm-hmm. The last minute, you know, hey, my phone won't boot my smart board has a big gash and you know, those, those types of problems. And it's, and, and the big focus is getting it all ready before open house night. Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, we, we probably, we had to prioritize buildings based on that. Um, what's, it, what's the worst week or day of your year? Um, I would say the week, the week that before school starts, but the week of like open houses, yeah. Parents are coming in, you know, because we do we do registration. We start doing registration for kindergartners like in March, way early. Yep. And yep. they have like four different times that they can come in and register. Invariably, the first day of school, we'll have 25 kids show up that didn't register at any of those events ahead of time. Um, and I'm sure it's worse where you are. You're you're considerably bigger than us, but it it's just amazing to me that no matter how how well the district prepares you always have those last minute kids it's it's amazing to me Mm. um trying to think what else happened we had quite a few phones die for whatever reason so thankfully i had an order of of phones that i had placed kind of thinking we might have some problems and they showed up like the two days before school so i was able to to get this guidance counselor's phone on that he hadn't had a phone up until like the day before school started. Um, yeah, that was the Friday before school that I like that afternoon at three o'clock, I'm walking in his office with a brand new phone. Yeah. Um, I think for me, like the, like the week everybody comes back from vacation. So like we're, and we're later than you guys. So we're in that phase now where principals are coming back. They're full in and secretaries are full in. And they're like, I need this. I need this. I need this. Like, I got a big project. I want to move the main office to this room. Like, all that kind of stuff is hitting us now. When teachers come back, they're smaller issues, but like manageable. Right. And then for us, the first day for me is the best day of school because no one calls us. Right. right. Everybody's focused on their students. Yeah. And no one, no one, no one reaches out to technology like i got the kids in front of me i gotta focus on that yeah so i love the first day of school until 3 30 when the kids leave and then 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 they're like okay i have this list of 20 things that went wrong today while the kids were here now that they're on the bus going home i'm going to submit 25 work orders yeah um yeah that's kind of how the first day typically goes i i had a an assistant superintendent tell me one time 
back when I was relatively green in K-12 and he's like the, the mission for the first day of school and typically the first couple days of school is get them there, get them fed, yep. get them home. Yep. We'll figure out the rest later. Once, once the routines are established and they're used to used to the routines, yeah. we'll, we'll figure out the rest yeah. later. Well, and one thing I love my, my district does that I love is our kindergarten starts two days later. Oh, interesting. And so we start, we start, grades one to, to 12 on one day. And then two days later, like when the school has settled, when the big kids know their routines, they know where they're going. Then we start kindergarten. And so then it's like the kids who are discovering school for the very first time can walk into a school where all the other kids know where they're going. That's cool. Yeah. I really like that. I really like that. Do you have the, we, a couple of years ago it was popular around here. I can't remember what they called it, but it was like, the kids are crying because school's starting, but mom and dad, we're going to have a, a, a cry room for you as well. We'll have donuts and coffee and, you know, drop, drop your kid off and come in this room and, and shed a tear or two with other parents that are, you know, dropping their kids off for the first time and commiserate with it was, it was, cute. I can't, I can't remember what they called it, but it was really funny. They had coffee and donuts and it, it went over pretty well. Oh, that's um, a great idea. So that's interesting though, that you guys start that two days later. That's yeah. No, it's such a great idea. It really is. And then and it also gives like the school staff at the elementary yeah. schools, like the ability to just like principal is focused on kindergarten that day. Right. Like everything's right. else. Everybody's working. Everybody's good. And I could focus on the little kids and, and the crying parents. What what percentage of your kids? This is a totally random question. What percentage of your kids are picked up <clears throat> in the afternoon versus ride a bus? Do you know? Boy, I, I don't know. It, Picking up is not as common. I mean, there are some schools that that do have pickups, but you're either in our district, you're either walking or you're taking the bus or okay. the older kids are taking public transportation. So pickups in the big city is not really. Yeah, not really. A thing. I mean, there's always cars in some schools, but it's not as much as you guys where you have like an entire yeah. app that you have to manage. Yes. And, the, and that's I was going to mention that, that, you know, we've got I'm on the backside of our my office is in our elementary building on the backside in the basement. Um, so depending on which way I come into the parking lot, like if I'm out doing something in a building and I come back in the afternoon, I know that I cannot come in by our upper cafeteria because at starting at about one o'clock, we have parents and grandparents that start lining up to pick their kids up, you know, to scan mm. the app and get in line. Dismissal is not until three 30 and wow. they're there at one o'clock starting to get in line. It, it's the craziest thing, the mm. craziest thing. Um, yeah, that that dismissal manager. If you're in the market, we have we use uh, school dismissal manager SDM. We like it. I think it works well. Um, so you're so you're you. This is your first week of school. So you're yeah. like you got your your SIS. Like all the schedules are up and running. Clever's rostering. Like things are going smooth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So schedules are typically our sys coordinator really does schedules in the spring prior, um, mm -hmm. especially at the high school level because that's when. High yeah. school kids do their course requests. Um, yeah, rosters are set. You know, you have the, like we said, the last minute kids that show up first day of school sure. and need to be registered. The ro rosters are pretty well set. We're, yeah, clever is rocking. We've had a few problems with um, Renaissance Learning, of all things, this year having some difficulties. We're not real sure what that's about. And the frustration there is our, we have we our teachers rely on Renaissance heavily for that kind of benchmarking throughout mm -hmm. the year. 
Yeah. And like second day of school, man, they're wanting to get into Renaissance and start doing reading level assessments and math level assessments, but it's the second day of school. <laughs> um, so if there, there's been some conversations this year of like, okay, is the first week of school really the right time to be doing? I mean, that's not my call. That's a building call, but good <laughs> night, man. Um, yeah. So do you guys start on Monday or do you guys start on Thursday? I think we started on Thursday. Yeah. See, we started the last couple of years, Missouri changed their, they made, they changed a state law a couple of years ago that said that public schools can no longer start more than two weeks before Labor Day. Um, so in years prior, we have, we would have already started. We would have started last Thursday, a week mm. from a week uh, ago from today. So now what a lot of schools are doing is they're starting on that Monday to get that full two weeks in before Labor Day. Um, so that, and yeah, it, that was a whole big ordeal. They said it was in the name of tourism, but all it did was push back the end of the school year by, you know, four or five days too. So you really didn't gain anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quickly let's talk, uh, provision data solutions there. They are one of our longtime sponsors. They've been with us since the beginning, Ryan and his crew, Derek and Jeff and Heather, they are awesome. And Andrew salesman, Andrew. Uh, he's my rep. Uh, they are great at what they do. They are they know a lot of stuff about Aruba physical networking and wireless networking and uh, clear pass. So if you have a clear prep, clear pass problem, you don't need to be in Missouri to reach out to Jeff and Derek and talk about clear pass. Just give them a holler. We had that email from a listener a couple of weeks ago. He was in uh, somewhere over in Illinois and called them and, and they worked out a deal and Jeff was able to solve his problem. Uh, so if you're interested in provision data solutions and what they can offer you, reach out to Ryan at provisionds.com. Um, so we had, did have a listener email about Clever. You mentioned Clever earlier and rostering. Um, so this listener says, goes on to tell a pretty lengthy story, but the gist of it is they have, they have already started school and they had a principal come up to him and ask that he turn on Clever rostering for a website and it was already after this, the school year had started, teachers had already synced with Google Classrooms and other methods of rostering. And this this listener, James, he says, you know, I kind of hesitate to do this only because we've started the year and those rosters have already started and the teachers know what they're doing with those rosters already. If we turn Clever on, it will likely override or delete those rosters. And there's really nothing you can do to change that. But like, Clever is sending it every night and it's going to overwrite whatever changes throughout the day. And the principal's like, nope, we want it. Turn it on. Come hell or high water, we're doing this. So James turned it on and it's not a day or two later. And they come back and they're complaining that, you know, the rosters are different. They have different course names because it's it's pulling the course name out of Clever. It's not allowing a nickname. Um, and so it's, you know, us IT guys kind of know what we're talking about i think at times we've we've seen problems like this and we've been through problems like this and when or not when a when an old seasoned weathered it guy says something like you know i don't know that this is a good idea that's that might be a good time to listen <laughs> so is james wanting us to ask how do i say i told you so in the most overt <laughs> he, way he didn't say that but but i mean I would own it like hey you know it's really i'm i'm really sorry i didn't oh wait I did say that. 
it, I mean, it how, happens. I mean, how would you handle that, Mark? I'm sure you've been in that situation. Yeah, I mean, we've had a few applications where when we did implement rostering, it did kind of create some hiccups and challenges and things like that. And it's hard because I, I, I think you're often put in the position with like, the vendors blaming you you're sure. blaming the vendor people are blaming you. like in the beginning when we started using clever a lot uh and in clever and class like kind of you know they're synonymous yeah. doing the same thing they're you're you're rostering now automated rostering for apps that you've probably been using and so you i think everybody's gone through a position like that and it's it is hard i think prepping everybody to let let them know like this may not be the right time to do this this is not advisable okay, so you want to go through this. Here are some things that are probably going to happen or here are some things that could happen. Right. Um, but it's hard because then, and you you feel bad because then you have teachers blaming the technology or blaming the person behind the technology. Right. And this is more of a business decision. Well, and and it's really not Clever's fault either. Clever, I, that's one thing that I really like about Clever is that <clears throat> they they are an on or off type solution and it's up to the receiving vendor to say, okay, we want these certain fields. Yeah. And and for from our standpoint, it's okay, turn that interface on, turn that interface off, use the default sharing, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it and it is what it is. So and it just works. And you're able to send all of your rostering data very, very quickly, uh, behind the scenes, kind of in that magic mode. Yeah. Um, yeah. it works great. The, the it, learning it, it, curve or the growth comes in on the on the end user side of it. Yeah, yeah. No, this this is also the time of year. I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten with somebody like, I'm looking for this. Now, we haven't started yet, right? And so we have our schools, what we call committing their schedules, making them live. And then the live schedule is what feeds into Clever. So I've got teachers. Oh, right. I want to get into my apps. How come my classes aren't there? I have to go back. You need to talk to your principal yep. to make your schedule live. So it also feeds that conversation around getting schedules in, getting them done, keeping them accurate. Because now you have more people poking at the registrar or secretary, getting things accurate. And and relying on that data to be accurate. You know, and and it's, it's almost like you're passing the buck. It, it goes from that Wild West type <laughs> yeah. mentality of, you know, they can sync with with Google Classroom if they're if they have a roster in Google Classroom great it works great but it's not yep. automatically updated and, and those kids have to join that class or that teacher has to add them to the class and then resync where with a tool like clever or ClassLink, they they think it happens magically in the background every night yeah. um it, i mean it is nice it, that's awesome but you're relying on those other people to keep that stuff straight yeah um, i feel like we used to like five ten years ago rosters never got fully accurate until report card season. Oh, interesting. I mean, there, you know, high schools is different, right? Cause high schools, you depend on the high schools, but the elementary schools, we really, it wasn't until report cards when teachers like, Oh, this kid's missing from my grade book. Now, right. Two weeks before school starts, our rosters are flawless. Yeah. Flawless. Maybe is a over, overstatement there, but <clears throat> well, so I know what you mean. I, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, to, to that point, we're using an application called Navigate Prepared for our emergency management, like uh, reunification, mm -hmm. uh, like when they do a fire drill, they they open up this app and they say, okay, we're doing a fire drill. And then the teachers use it on their phones to check, okay, I've got my 15 kids. They're all here. Yep. Oh, no, I'm missing Susie. 
so in like you said the 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 requirement for those rosters to be spot on k yeah. through 12 man it it has to be there it it just absolutely has to be there yeah yeah uh so, let's talk about uh, let, let, let's hit eaton real quick our new sponsor uh eaton now owns trip lighter they are they are one and the same trip light by eaton uh eaton has or trip light by eaton has charging carts for chromebooks and i was looking them up before we started and i was i found one that uh it's a like a 36 chromebook cart and it has our rant uh the the banks the power banks in them turn on and off every hour so you don't overload a machine like you just don't keep pounding it with with uh power it's a smart type charging cart um and this one actually even has a built-in network card so that you can put a MiFi device or a Wi-Fi device in that cart and offer service if you were in an area that needed uh, a hotspot to run for for Wi-Fi uh so it's pretty interesting so if you're in the market for charging carts for your Chromebooks, check out Triplight by Eaton. They also sell or make KVMs for your data center installs, or if you have more than a handful of servers and you don't want 15 different monitors and keyboards, uh, KVMs can be real lifesavers, both IP-based and uh, physical-based. So check out Triplight by Eaton. Give them a holler. Let them know that you heard about them on the K12 Tech Talk podcast. So what were you going to say, Mark? Uh, so we tried a new technology this week that I was a little bit like I'm oh, always yeah. nervous about trying something new, but it was something called it was a Zoom platform called Zoom Events. Yeah. And so it is a platform, obviously by Zoom, to do virtual conferences. Hmm. And it actually would have been really, really cool during the pandemic because you have if you think about a conference, you have your itinerary and your schedule. Right. And it's all done within Zoom. And then all of the sessions are managed from within that. So the hosts aren't, uh, they aren't coming up with session links and doing yeah. settings. You do all of that centrally. And then for the participants, it's cool because they just see the calendar of events. They can add their sessions that they want to go to, but it made the management of a virtual conference really, really easy. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now we didn't have to worry about the speakers getting their links and having right. the settings right. right. And so we were able to run, we had a three-day conference on on management and operations, and there were like three sessions going on at a time, and you could quickly jump between the two. So it was a very cool platform. There's some you know hiccups here and there, and and we definitely learned that just because you're a good speaker or presenter doesn't mean right. you're good with with running it on Zoom. But still, it was it was definitely a cool platform to do. Man, that have been so. helpful because we did Mid Midwest Tech Talk Virtual a couple of years ago. Yeah, and uh, it it worked. But it it was a lot of worry uh, just because of the way Zoom operated and having, different, yeah. like you said, different links for every session. And we quickly found out there was an issue that one person, like I couldn't sign into Zoom and start more than one session. Like it, each session right. had to be started by its own person. Um, so, yeah, that that sounds like that would have been a lifesaver two years ago. Yeah, um, definitely a great platform. Um, you know, we we, we had our speakers came to me afterwards. Some people could say, oh, you know, it was very glitchy. And I was like, well, can you tell me what glitchy means? What do you right. think? And right. And they'd list a bunch of things They're like, well, that's not, it's not what I would call glitchy. <laughs> <laughs> that well, sounds like user error, but cool. And it's all relative <laughs> too. You know, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. when you're having a virtual conference, that, that stuff's really, really difficult to plan for and manage. 
It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, just as Chris. Oh, wait, he's not here. Um, mm. So let's kind of talk about not the elephant in the room, but last week's episode was huge. Um, I think mm-hmm. it was a really good episode. We had a great time with Charlie and, and taking the tour around his office and Sean from Tyler Technologies. Um, so just to recap real quick, we had the CEO of Infinite Campus, Infinite Campus, Charlie Crash, and Sean, I cannot, cannot remember his last name, from Tyler Technologies. Um, they talked about the new partnership between the two companies and and kind of a a user swap, if you will, where Tyler is recommending that their SIS customers go to Infinite Campus and Infinite Campus is trying to uh, convince their financial customers to go to Tyler. Um, so it was a little bit of background about that. And then really, the I think the majority of the episode was us kind of peppering those two guys with questions about, okay, what about this? How is this, you know, what, what's the replacement for Pulse? How, how do my IEPs or how, how are they going to get imported in? Um, that, that type of conversation. And I, and I, overall, I thought it was a really good conversation. I think the guys were honest with us. Um, we've mm-hmm. had really good feedback. I know Chris, his, uh, CIS coordinator and my CIS coordinator both said that the episode was getting shared among state, uh, distribution lists for CIS users. Um, and one of them said it was way better, more informational than the webinars that Infinite Campus had a couple weeks ago. Um, so I, I think it it did its job, don't yeah. you think? <clears throat> yeah, no, it definitely was very informative to hear from the from the two companies, and I think they have more information now than when they first with the announcement. Um, well, yeah, we know what's we know the de- decorations that Charlie has. That's true. That's true. We saw his office. Um, I think there's still some unanswered questions, and I but I think a lot of the unanswered questions, unfortunately, are very district specific. Yes. How is this data conversion going to go? How is how is this field that it's only only done in my district? How does that get in? So, unfortunately, I think all of the large scale questions are answered, and now it's up to each district to have those one on one conversations with the sales folks. Yeah, and I think our at least my interaction with our salesperson um, has been great. She's been super honest, has been mm-hmm. quick to respond to my emails and my questions, and I my sys coordinator and I have questions several times throughout the day and we're we're emailing sherry asking her these questions um i think you know with the conversation and i'll just go back to the ieps real quick with the conversation that we had with charlie about yes it's possible to import them um and then we kind of found out that there may be a fee associated with that because it's not part of the standard import when you when you look at the quote that infinite campus sends over um, it specifically states that IEPs are not included in the import and that if you are wanting that, that needs mm. to be spelled out a- as a line item price in your quote. Um, so we went back and had some conversations with our sales folks about that. And I at at this point, we have two distinct paths. Either we're going to import the last year's IEPs, which on the, f- on the front end for us will be a... Con- a good amount of work because we will have to um, get them out of Tyler, you know, file print as PDF or whatever, whatever that process looks like, and then re-import them into infinite campus as a job somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, 
after the other option is we just go off of our hard copies of the IEPs for that first year and we build all of the new IEPs in Infinite Campus because there are SPED modules included. So I don't know which way we're going to go. Um, I think if if we look at it from the standpoint of least amount of work and least amount of cost, I could see us very easily going down the route of just hanging on to those physical copies of the IEPs for that first year. I don't know. It'll be so, interesting. So taking a step back, you've decided you're moving to Infant Campus. That it, So I will say the contracts are not signed, and that is the decision that my uh, superintendent and our board of education will make. But we are having conversations with Infinite Campus because I, I still consider this, all of these conversations that we're having with the sales team are fact-finding conversations because you go back and you look at the quote of the second, third, fourth time and you're like, oh crap, I didn't know, mm-hmm. I didn't notice that, that that was in there before that said IEPs are additional fees. So I, I still consider us in that fact fact-finding phase. Okay. I will say that Infinite Campus has told us if we want, depending on when we want to start our build process. So if our SIS coordinator wants to start building the calendar schedules and a, and plan for kindergarten registration to take place in Infinite Campus in March and April, that um, Infinite Campus has told us we need to have contracts signed by the end of September. Um because it's a four to four to six weeks build time for them in their virtual environment. And then we get access and start building that stuff. So the later, the later that we can push that, that live date, that use date back, the more time that we have to figure out what the heck we're going to do. So yeah, it's, it's all kind of up in the air at this point, but, and you and I talked about this before the show, the the relationship between Tyler and Infinite Campus, the fact that Tyler is willing to help Infinite Campus with this migration, with the data import, that's very, very, very attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, what isn't attractive, and I kind of alluded this alluded to this last week. Um, we are going to pay more. We are we are going to, and that's kind of coming as a sticker shock. Mm-hmm. Um, we we are paying more. Um, and we're at, Charlie said that the majority of districts will will be saving money, but you know some districts will be paying more. We're we're one of the districts that's paying more, and I've talked to two or three cohorts in my area that they're all paying more as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sample size isn't huge. I'm not saying you know there aren't people that'll be paying less, but um, it's it's definitely something that's weighing on the decision. Mm. Do you have? I mean, now is the time too. A lot of districts have ESSER funding you know yeah one-time implementation uh it can it so i don't know because i will say that infinite campus is offsetting a huge portion of the implementation fees with credits um so it the cost isn't because of the implementation fees you know the the training hours the conversion hours that kind of stuff The, the cost is not because of that the cost i think is because we paid for tyler like Charlie said, there were a couple Tyler sold in a couple different models. One, the software as a service where your yearly your yearly renewal was about the same and you paid more or you paid more up front and your yearly renewal was less. We went that second route. So we our year over year costs were much lower. And, and that's yeah. why we're paying more or okay. we, we might be paying more. OK. 
I, yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of conversations too. And I think for for someone in your position, you're looking at the functionality of infinite campus, which you've done already. You're looking, you're now at that phase of like, well, what does a conversion implementation look like when you still have a lot of answer, unanswered questions there? The other thought, the other part that I thought was still kind of to be determined was what is the future of infinite campus and Tyler? And what what does this relationship look like between the two companies? And I think there's there's a lot to be determined on that one. A lot of promises, but I don't know exactly what that means. So that's something that I just thought was interesting too, that it, that part of the sell is what is this product potentially going to do in the future, but we don't really have that information. <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you, if they can deliver on the promise of that integration between Infinite Campus and their and Tyler's transportation systems. Um, we we purchase one of Tyler's transportation systems, and I'll just say it's a struggle because we have nightly exports that go from Tyler to the transportation system. For again, it all comes back to rostering, right? Mm -hmm. For all these kids that ride the bus, unfortunately, there is not a way to get the route information from the transportation system back to Tyler student information system. Um, part of that is because we host our student information system on premise and the, the transportation system is, is cloud-based. Um, infinite campus says they're working on a solution that would be that bi-directional interface instead of a unidirectional interface. Mm -hmm. um that that could be massive like because right now our teachers don't know you know if a kid comes in and says i don't know what bus i'm on the teachers mm -hmm. don't have a good way to look that up um that could be a huge huge game changer for us i i don't know i mean yeah absolutely huge game changers and in what integrations between these products and vendors could do the thing is like they, they've got a monumental challenge in front of them, which is to convert all these districts over in both directions. Yeah. And then at what point do they then have the space to say, okay, now let's start to build these integrations out or can that, can that work happen at the same time? Well, and I think another question for Tyler that Tyler has to answer Tyler, just, they don't do just school stuff. Like mm -hmm. they're into voting machines. They're into, municipality management they're into outdoor recreational space management um tyler has a finger in a lot of things and i think the question becomes where are they going to dedicate their development staff because i'll tell you yeah the financial system that we use needs development um mm. it, it looks like it was written in visual basic five um it, it really, really needs development. So I think I think that question and Infinite Campus can do all the development they want. And and hey, we're trying to work with Tyler and we've got this whiz bang product. But if the if the other end doesn't do the same level of development and as far as receiving that data and then interfacing and, and sending that data back. You know, what's 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 it worth at that point? Yeah, yeah. It's also interesting too around, you know, we talked about how Infinite Campus is becoming more of the student focused company trying to get out of the ERP business. Tyler's trying to do the opposite. But as you mentioned, I, I totally forgot that Tyler has a huge, huge part of their businesses in non K 12. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if these two companies, 
they shrink their focus or narrow, not shrink, but narrow their focus. If that allows them to expand and go farther. Um, and, and what that does for the industry. And, you know, I, when I first heard of this announcement, I was a little bit concerned about is the SIS market getting smaller, going to a fewer number of school districts or of companies, is that better or worse for the school districts? Because now we have less choice on the market. There's less competition, but the vendors that are out there, the products can go farther. Yeah. Um, man, that's a really good question. And then, and then you throw in the cost into that. If you, you know, okay, there's one less student information system, but let's, let's fast forward five years mm-hmm. and let's say a few more of those drop out of the running and you're, you're down even more. Those few that remain, it's, it's supply and demand. They can up their price. And what are you going to do? What, what are right. the schools going to do? They're kind of held hostage. Right. Um, it's, and so five years from now, 10 years from now, do we have fewer SISs on the market? It's, it's the big names that are out there that are just kind of sweeping up more and more customers. Or do people just get tired of the same old SIS? And then all of a sudden, some like random, you know, startup company just starts to sweep up the business. I I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about where we are right now with the marketplace and less competition and less choice for school districts. Now, granted, I'm only talking about one company going to another. Right, one, but, right. But still, I mean, I, I don't know. And, I, and I'm not saying that this is a good or a bad thing. Uh, I just think it's something for us to think about that the SIS market seems to me getting smaller. Well, and and why wouldn't it get smaller? You know, if I was a student information system company and the majority of my clients were hosted by me, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would want to be in that industry. You know, with with the vulnerability that K-12 has and the number of attacks that K-12 has, their student information systems are huge targets. So would I want to expose myself to that? You know, do I want to be a part of that? That to me, that's, that's one hell of a good reason to get out of it. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. It all, it all ends up in the metaverse. It all, it's, it's all a wash. It's all, it's all in the ether. <laughs> yeah. So to give you an idea, I pulled up Tyler's website um, they do tax appraisal services, civic services, uh, land and official records, correction facilities, court system systems, wow. public, public safety, community health, disability uh, benefits, uh, transformative technologies. I'm not real sure what that means. Cybersecurity. Um, that surprises me. Um, Interesting. Yeah. They they've got a finger in a lot of stuff. It's it definitely not K twelve or not only K twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the interesting story behind at least the the lineage of the product that we used it was developed by a kid when he was in graduate school as a capstone project. He developed the student information system, and then when he graduated college, he went out and sold it to schools. Like that's that's where our sis came from. Um, it's, it was a college capstone project. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So you never Um, know where the next one's coming from. No. Uh, so speaking of, of targets and things like that, uh, I think it was you or Chris sent out a a message about ransomware hidden districts for the start of school. That was me. Um, so, so tell us about that article. What are you seeing? So 
that was on databreaches.net. I follow the author of that website on Twitter. Uh, and she had posted that, uh, you know, we, they, she watches or they watch the, um, kind of the dark web and all the sites for these ransomware organizations. And they, they had found, uh, what was it? School districts in three different States. It was Pennsylvania, Texas. And I don't remember where the third one was, uh, the first week of school, they all got hit. Uh, and, and it's interesting. I read another tweet today. I want to say it was by Doug Levine, but I don't, I'm not sure it was him. But more or less tracking over the last four years, the number of ransomware, public ransomware incidents in K-12 and August, back to school time, August, September, is typically over the last, historically, uh, the highest year or the highest time frame of incident is that back to school time frame. So it just goes to show, be on your game. Well, do you do you think that it's attackers specifically seeking out school districts this time of year or do you think it's part of it is also just everybody just came back they pulled out their laptops or they brought viruses back to school from their house they you know i think it's a little bit of both um hell we had i had two teachers actually guidance counselors last night that were um spearfished they were both targeted with um it wasn't payload. It was the send me money thing, but it was, they got emails last night from a generic Gmail address that, Hey, are you available? I need to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's constant. I don't yeah. know if it's intentional that it's higher this time of year, but man, it would sure make sense. Um, I hate, I hate those. Are you available? I'm yeah. in a meeting. Can you get me a yep. Google play gift card? Yep. Oh, it's brutal. Um, do you have we've talked about this? I know. Do you fish your staff? You fished your department. Uh, we fish our central office. Um, we just actually finished the like a base lane, base light. I can't talk right now. Uh, I can't the first campaign for this new product that we just got. And, <laughs> just change uh, the word, Mark. Change, I just change the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and so we we're just looking at the results today of the first campaign from this new system and yeah, and trying to figure out how to communicate that out to folks around like. Hey, we did really well compared to industry average. Yeah. Here's where we need to go. So, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got to fish. Gotta fish. We, uh, I, I started our fishing campaign where I'm doing a monthly fish campaign. Each user gets two fishes a month. Um, Ooh, that's a lot. Well, the reason I did that is what I used to do in years prior, I would do a campaign um, once a month and I would let it last for about four days and they would get one email over that four-day period. Um, I kind of like the idea of spreading it out over the entire four-week period, randomized as to when it sends who emails, and then Mm. I told it to pick randomly pick an email out of this. uh, It's a catch of the week where there's like 80 80 templates in there that uh, from the week. Um, So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I might dial it back. We'll see. Um, what's what category is the most devastating have you found well just historically uh at christmas time anything to do with shipments packages that's i've told that story before where we had a i i sent the fish it was in december early december i sent out a campaign and it was a failed uh usps delivery mm-hmm. and i i had a faculty member get it not click anything but uh went to the post office over her lunch break and raised hell that they couldn't find her package. 
Oh, and no. <laughs> they're like, well, what's the tracking number? And she showed them the email and they're like, ma'am, that's that's not an email from the U- United States Postal Service. That's a fish. And she knew like immediately she came back and, and sent me an email and was not happy. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I get it. But but my rationalization has been and continues to be. Yeah, the bad guys are going to do. They're not going to say, oh, I'm going to give them a break. It's Christmas time. We're not going to send a fish about pack. No, they're going to say, oh, it's Christmas time. I'm sending a fish about packages. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we try to be very topical and and talk about, you know, send out alerts around. Hey, this time of year, you might be seeing this or that kind of stuff. Or or if we start to see two or three people get the same type of email, we might send an alert to everybody. Sure. Like we're, we're seeing a pattern of this. I'm not going to share the most devastating simulated fishing campaign we had because i'm like i don't want somebody listening to this be like well then to that's do how you get in yeah yeah but we did we did find one template that was brutal really <laughs> interesting yeah. it's it's funny you know some places it's one thing and in other places it's completely different um yeah yeah it, but it is funny because the the tech directors that i know around my area will share Okay, this one was really good, man. You got to send yeah. this one out, and then and then it becomes a competition between the districts. Like unofficially, you know, the teachers don't know this is happening, but the tech directors do. You know, I I'm gonna say, well, I'm I'm beating the guy up the street. I hope my my percentage, my click percentage is is less than that jerk's up the street. Um, yep. So yeah, it it definitely becomes a competition among the tech directors. Well, a few weeks ago, I shared a weird email that we were getting uh, around from like but looked like to be some fake parents. And so, you know, we, we shared, I'm not quite sure where this is going on. I was in contact with department of Homeland security about it. They weren't quite sure what was going on either. One of our listeners heard that and actually tweeted, Hey, I think it's, I think it's this, I think they're fishing for email signatures, send that to DHS. And they're like, yeah, that makes total sense. And so they ended up sending out an alert to, Did to they the really? agency. Yeah. They're, they're actually like, yeah, this, this is kind of the conclusion we're coming to. Hey, no. Yeah. So it's definitely, it looks like, Somebody was fishing for information for a future campaign. Yeah, that wasn't the, the email, or that wasn't a phishing campaign. They're trying to get more information to then do another one in the future yep. that would be a lot more targeted. So that's the next thing to look out for is not just the emails that are asking for more information, but the ones that are trying to get and solicit more information for a future campaign. And, and you know that that's a really good point because, like last night, I one of the guidance counselors emailed me and said, "Hey, is this legitimate?" I'm like, "No, don't even reply." Because this is how it's going to go, and I told her the story. But, but to your point, the second you reply, they now know one, it's a working email address. Two, your phone number, your name, your title, all that other stuff that's in your signature. That's we got the we we have the smartest listeners in the world, Mark. Wouldn't you agree? I know Chris would agree. Um, Chris is texting us right now. Oh, is he really? Way. I'm on mute. So he's what's wrong he's, with him? Uh, he's telling us what to talk about, oh, and Lord. but he's not here talking about that thing. So it's a little. Yeah, Chris can't. He can't tell us what to do if he's not here. I'm gonna tell him to hush up. Okay, hush thanks. up. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So no, that that's I had not thought about that, and then we got that tweet, and it's like that makes complete sense. It it really does. Yeah. So we so have thank the, you. Thank you. We have the smartest for... the smartest listeners in the world. So you, we're host beat Homeland Security. Yeah, figuring that one out. You should work for Homeland Security. Um, we actually are going to host. I don't know if you've ever done this, Mark. Uh, we've 
I've be, I've gotten a relationship with the FBI recently as far as I've hosted a couple cyber events and we've had tabletop exercises and the FBI has come and the local guys out of St. Louis Secret Service, FBI, Homeland Security, they they come and they put these events on. Well, in, in part of doing this and having conversation with our local agents, I asked one day, I'm like, hey, do you guys ever do presentations for parents on how to keep their kids safe online? Like, you know, is TikTok really that big of a threat? Should I be worried about um, uh, child trafficking? You know, what what can mm-hmm. I do to help make sure my kid doesn't get contacted by some weirdo in their direct messages? So um, the FBI agent that I was talking to in St. Louis, like, yeah, we do that quite frequently, actually. So I've actually got them uh, on the hook. They're going to come down to our district and give a presentation in the next month, one evening for parents of of students on how to keep kids safe online and how to keep themselves safe online. So uh, hmm. I'm super excited about that, that they were willing to come down and, and do that. I, I think it's awesome having like, you could say the exact same thing, but having it come from somebody who's got absolutely F- FBI uh, wallet is going to, or the, the absolutely. Badge. Yeah. Does, no. And, and, and can you just take a picture for us? Do they have the FBI? Is their wallet just like Mulder and Scully or is it like a traditional you know what? badge? I'll have to ask because I haven't, I can't, none of these events that we've been to that they've been at, I don't know that anybody's asked to see their badge. Can they I'm hold a, it? Like, I want them to like unfold their wallet and hold it up where it just well, says FBI. I know they're really, they're really weird and sensitive. Weird's the wrong word. They're very sensitive about <laughs> having uh, their photos taken. Let's see. What else? Oh, I, I installed my first Microsoft wireless display today. I, I took down an AirTame and I know... Uh, you like Airtame, but this Microsoft wireless display, a friend of mine told me about it about eight months ago, and I should have listened and listened to him earlier because it today it has been rock solid compared to the Airtame that we had in this room. Same environment, um, but what the Airtame does differently is, and I, I think you can you can set up. I'm sorry, what the Microsoft wireless display does differently, and I think you can set it up like the Airtame where the wireless display will ride on your Wi-Fi, But the way that I'm running it is it's a point to point communication from the, from the desktop to the wireless display. So uh, it requires a wireless card in the desktop, no big deal. But what it does is it uses the 2.4 spectrum to connect to the wireless display and forces the PC to the five gigahertz spectrum for Wi-Fi. So it's actually serving both Wi-Fi to the device for a network connection, as well as a point-to-point wireless connection to the wireless display. Um, and it it was rock solid, man, all day. The teacher's like, this is night and day different. Um, wow. Nothing disparaging against AirTame. I know they can they can be good. We've just had, we've struggled with them at times. Well, I can see why if you have a Microsoft product that knows how yes. to handle the, micro, the, the PC. Now the question for you is, can you use a different device they, on that? No. They don't, they support Windows devices. Um, I don't think they support Mac OS or Chrome OS, which uh, okay. we're, we're a Windows shop. That's not a, that's not a concern. I know that would be a, that would be a no-go for you. Um, but yeah, they, it's, it's definitely a proprietary thing, but well, and that, and that was our, we, we adopted AirTame a few years ago and we really needed something that could be used for different devices. And mainly we were so sick and tired of buying a different adapter yes. and the new Macs come out. So, you know, moving that really made people happy. 
I mean, I do see, you know, I see what you said. Sometimes it's a little bit fluky here and there, but you know, part of it is, you know, I don't know if that's the wireless. I don't know if that's the network, right. the computer, there's a lot of different things. So I can see how keeping it in one environment would make it easier. Well, and, and to be honest, the air teams really don't have that strong of a processor in them. So it, it, it could be any number of things causing those things to have an issue. Yeah. Um, so it's likely not just air, the air team's fault though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, that was our driving point for air team was I, we need a little bit of flexibility with flexibility. You kind of lose some things, but, uh, but it's overall, we've, we've been happy with them and, and the newer air team, the air team to higher processor, higher power, really? we've definitely noticed a big difference. So, yeah. And these, the ones that I have are the air teams and they need to go away anyway, cause they're old and they're deprecated and, um, yeah not supported anymore so they they need to go away yep um anything else that you can think of mark maybe we'll next week we'll hear about chris's first week at school i think he he had a pretty rough week as well so maybe he's got some good stories to share with us next week um any closing thoughts mark on episode 86 no if you're listening and you're Tech director indicated, well, we feel your pain. That's the <laughs> only thing I could say this it's time. It's that year. time of year. Yeah. I've it's awful. Uh, I finished my bourbon this evening. Um yeah. How many how many emails have you received since we started recording this? Uh I don't think that many. Let me let me look. I don't I've I know I got an email an email about our lovely stay mobile warranty earlier tonight that sent me through the roof that I probably shouldn't talk about. Um I've only got two, two emails since we started tonight. So not bad. And we are after hours. So we're starting at like 7 p.m., 6 p.m. for you. And yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not horrible. (laughs) Wait till the morning. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm off tomorrow. We got to, I'm out for a funeral. So uh, hopefully things don't burn down. They won't. My guys will do fine. Um, so yeah, until next week, share us with your friends. We are the one and only original K12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, hit us on Twitter, K12 Tech Talk, and our email address is K12 Tech Talk Pod. No, I that's backwards. Dang it. K12 Tech Talk Pod on Twitter. Uh, give us some feedback, share us with your friends, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.